Podcast Answer Man, episode number 418. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi everyone, Dan Meller here from 48 Days Online Radio. Cliff Ravenscraft has been my podcast answer man ever since he was bold enough to ask me if I wanted to make my podcast a 10 rather than a 6. And from what I'm now hearing all around the world, not only is he my podcast answer man, he is the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And well, my friends, I am delighted to be back with another episode number 418 here of Podcast Answer Man. And in today's show, I have a few topics that I want to cover. First off, I'll be talking about the idea of linking to past episodes from your podcast archives in social media. Why aren't more people doing that? We'll address that in this episode. Also, I'm going to be talking about New Media Europe, which is coming up this Saturday and Sunday September 12th and 13th in Manchester of the UK. I'll go into a little bit more detail about that. And then, of course, I'm going to talk about how to do field interviews with a Roland digital audio recorder. And also, I'm going to talk about podcasting about podcasting and how that applies to Podcast Answer Man. And rather than waste any time, we're going to jump right into the first question that I want to read to you from Mark DeJesus. Now, Mark is an alumni of my podcasting A to Z course. He has uh, created the Transformed You podcast. You can find it over at markdejesus.com. He wrote me this email. He says, hey, Cliff, I noticed that there's a lot of people, including myself, who bring up old blog articles to put into their Facebook feed to recycle them and expose past material to new followers. But I have not seen a single podcaster do this with their prior podcast episodes. Is there a reason for that? I think that my followers would love to check out some old episodes of my podcast and maybe they might even become listeners by catching past episodes that they enjoy. Is there any reason why I don't see people doing this? Thanks again, Mark. I wanted to go ahead and share with you the top four reasons why I think that people are not, and by people I mean podcasters, why we don't take the time to take our old archives of content and share them uh, more frequently in social media. And so number one, the thing that came off the top of my head is that perhaps the content that they're creating for their podcast is not evergreen. There might be several episodes even of this podcast for Podcast Answer Man that, quite honestly, I kind of wish they weren't in the archives anymore. Some things have changed since then. You figure I started this podcast in December 2006, and I may have recommended things that probably I thought were the best at the time, but today things have changed a lot, and, well, I certainly wouldn't want to take some of those episodes and share them today 
there are other podcasts out there where, for example, maybe episodes of their show contain a lot of tie-ins to recent events. So they're talking about this news item that just came out. Or maybe they're, it's a podcast about sports seasons. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because that content is not evergreen as it could be. So not every podcast is evergreen. And I think that that's one reason why folks are not out there taking their old posts. A second reason that I think some podcasters are not taking their old archived content and sharing it online is that they don't have a lot of confidence in the value of the content that they created. Now, that is a little difficult for me to say. Maybe they weren't happy with how their podcast sounded back in the early days, and they sound much better and more professional and polished, or it's better produced today, and and the content maybe from two years ago, it just didn't sound as good. So for whatever reason, they may not have confidence either in the quality of the content that they recorded and created a couple years ago, or they may not have confidence in the value of it. I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. There are times when I've released podcast episodes of my own shows. I produce right now, I'm currently doing three podcast episodes per week. One podcast episode per show for a total of three shows a week, Pursuing a Balanced Life, Podcast Answer Man, and Family from the Heart. And there are some times when I don't even put out on social media that I just published an episode of, let's just say, Pursuing a Balanced Life. It's not that I don't think that it was valuable content, but is it valuable enough for me to share with my overall full-on community? I, I think that sometimes I'll record an episode of Pursuing a Balanced Life, and when I'm finished recording it, I think to myself, well, the people who are already subscribed to Pursuing a Balanced Life, I think they'll get me when they listen to that episode. I think that they'll get it. They'll enjoy that content. I think it will be valuable for them. But every now and then I create a brand new episode and this isn't even, you know, should I go back and pull an episode from the archives and put it online? But should I put this episode I'm publishing right this minute or two minutes ago, should I share this on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Google Plus? And sometimes I lack the confidence in the value of that being somebody's first exposure to that podcast. And oftentimes I I believe that when we're sharing this on social media, we've got a lot more people who are following us in social networks that aren't yet subscribed to our podcast. Maybe number three is that they simply haven't thought to share their older episodes. This, This thought of taking their old episodes, it just hasn't occurred to them. Maybe they don't just have, they don't think in that way. It's like, in the moment, what's the next thing I need to do? And for those of you who are considering this, and this is actually now the first time you've actually thought, hmm, why aren't I doing this? And here's what I know. Mark is right. I would say that more than 95% of you listening to my voice right now, including myself, do not take a lot of time and don't have a strategy for taking and periodically pulling episodes from your archives and sharing them out in social media. I've done it a couple times in the past, but it's just been something I've done here and there. I might have scheduled a post or something like that. But for many of you, I think the reason why you haven't done this, it's just never occurred to you. And now that it has, here's number four, the fourth reason why I think podcasters have not been doing this, and that is that they may have thought about it, It's just not been high enough of a priority for you to do so. So, Mark, and to everybody else listening, I think that we as podcasters should 
go back and see, is our content evergreen? Or it doesn't mean that every episode's evergreen. The idea isn't that you go through and sequentially share every old episode that you have in your archives. You've got to have some episodes back there where you're super excited about that content that you created and it is evergreen and that you do have confidence in the value that it offers to people. Maybe some of the content that you created that just generated the most amazing feedback. And right now, as I'm speaking about this, without this is the first time I'm thinking this thought right here, there are a couple episodes of Podcast Answer Man, and I would say about 20 different episodes of Podcast Answer Man that should probably be shared maybe once a month. There is the episode called What Do You Desire? And I'm going to go look that up right now. Okay, so I found it here. It is episode number 316. It says, are you completely wasting your time? Can you live the life you desire? What if money were no object? Go to podcastanswerman.com slash 316. That show right there, I should be sharing that at least once. Okay, that episode, I should be sharing that at least once every other month in social media. I don't think that any of my thousands of followers on Twitter and Facebook and all these other places, I don't think any of them would ever get tired of me sharing that particular episode. And I can tell you, the feedback from that, even today, and that was recorded, by the way, July 12th, 2013, so that was over two years ago, and even today, on a weekly basis, I get email from people who say that was one of my favorite shows that I've ever heard from you. And I have a bunch of other shows like that. And so, yes, I should be doing this. So what are we going to do about it? You know, how do you create a process for sharing these old episodes? And oh boy, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but uh, you know what? I, I think I've ch- I've changed my mind again on this idea of scheduling content, especially when it comes to Twitter. I've gone back and forth. I did an episode a while back called Twitter Wins. You know, it's like I give up. I give up on using Twitter as a social network. They don't want it, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do so. And I went over to Facebook for my primary source of engaging with people in a social network style of way. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you to just go over to episode 406 of this show. And I did an entire episode about that. It's called Twitter Wins. I've decided to use it as an information network and focus on Facebook for deeper engagement. That entire episode, you can find it at podcastanswerman.com slash 406. Now, here's the situation. I want to encourage you now to possibly consider doing something that I was so against and, and it was what ruined Twitter for me, but it's just what everybody does on Twitter today and that is just scheduling links to lots of content. And the number one tool for doing that I believe, is Buffer App. And you can go to buffer.com, B-U-F-F-E-R.com. And if I log in here real quickly to my Buffer account, with Buffer App, you can schedule posts for Twitter. You can schedule posts for your Facebook profile, for your groups, for your pages, for LinkedIn. And they even have Google Plus now. Actually, it's Google Plus uh, page. I don't see that they, it looks like they're maybe working on Google Plus profile, but it's it's grayed out right now, so I don't think it's there. And even they have a, a premium uh, version of, of being able to schedule your Pinterests, Pinterest posts, easy for me to say. But anyway, um, Buffer App would be the way that I would do this. I, I would go in and decide how often do I want to release 
information and I might go through and dig in to my archives and choose some great posts and find the best way to share those or to schedule those with the right images and the right words that's going to get people to click through and come back to my website and and experience that evergreen very high value content. So, Mark, thank you for bringing it up. I encourage you to do it, and I hope that maybe by you asking this question, Mark, it is going to encourage a lot of other people to start spreading the love of some of that old content from your archives. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about real quick is New Media Europe. It is happening this weekend, as I am recording this on, let's see here, Monday, September 7th, 2015, uh, just a couple days away on uh, Saturday and Sunday, September 12th and 13th in Manchester in the UK, New Media Europe. This is a conference put together by Mike and Isabella Russell, great friends of mine, and they have they foster one of the most amazing international communities around new media geek people, and they're really the nicest people, some of the nicest people that I've ever met. New Media Europe is something that I am looking forward to. I am doing the opening keynote address for that event, and I am going to be giving pretty much the same talk that I did for my closing keynote for Podcast Movement 2014. Not this past event, but the first Podcast Movement conference that they had. I did the closing keynote, and I talked about how to change the world with your podcast. Well, there's just a slight change in my title. It's how to change the world with the content you create, because I'm going to speak not only to podcasters, but also just other online creators as well, people who are bloggers, online video folks, and folks who are just playing out into social media sharing and 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 creating online communities that way. It's my passion. It's my number one message in this world is, is, man, there's a lot of things that we can do, including make lots of money. We can become famous and, and all these other things. We can become thought leaders. It, it's really exciting stuff. But one of the things that I love most about this online content creating world that we live in is we have the real possibility of having a powerful and positive impact in the lives of the people who consume the content that we create. And I want to talk about how we can change the world with the content that we're creating. But anyway, I'm hoping that I'll see many of you there if you are coming to the event. I I hope that you'll come up and say hi to me and I look forward to hanging out. I'll be there all day Saturday all day Sunday, I will be hanging out at every networking opportunity. I'm not scheduling any meetings or anything like that because I want to just be available to talk to each and every person that happens to be directly in front of me. And I think there are going to be about 200 people there. And by the way, uh, there are still tickets available. If you want, you can come over and participate. I hope that you will if you have the ability to do so. And I do have an affiliate link for the conference. It's podcastanswerman.com slash Europe. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash Europe. And then I even worked out a discount code with you. You can save 100 pounds off the cost of your ticket if you use the promo code PAM, Podcast Answer Man. So it's, it's just PAM. Alrighty, so I hope to see you there. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about here in the episode are field interviews with the Roland Recorder. 
Many of you know that my favorite piece of podcasting equipment has always been a Roland digital audio recorder. First, it was the Roland R-09HR. However, when that was discontinued, uh, they came out with the Roland R-05. And well, since I fell in love with these Roland recorders, I'm personally responsible for the sale of literally thousands, and I would say over 5,000 of these recorders are were sold directly as a result of recommending it here in my podcast, in my tutorials, through my uh, podcasting A to Z program, and also through all of the one-on-one consulting sessions I've done other, over the years. And plus, I've done quite a bit of equipment sales directly to the public as well. You can check out podcastanswerman.com slash equipment if you haven't ever done so to see what I'm talking about. But anyway, the number one question that I always get from people who buy this recorder is how can I best use this Roland portable digital audio recorder to record interviews out in the field? Now for me, almost all of the content that I've ever created is done here in the studio. And I use this portable digital audio recorder to actually bring audio from my mixer into the line input of this little device and that's what its primary function is. Now I do happen to have a show called Pursuing a Balanced Life where a majority of the episodes in the archives there are me out walking, sharing an audio journal of what's going on in my weekly life as I've built this business from a hobby into a full-time career and then trying to find balance in all of the different aspects of my life. That's what Pursuing a Balanced Life is over at pursuingabalancedlife.com. Lately, by the way, I've been recording episodes in the studio for that show. The reality is, is that when I went out into the field, I just used the onboard condenser microphones that are built into the digital recorder. And they're very sensitive, but they're very good, high-quality microphones. And one of the things that I've done, if I if I want to go out and do an interview with someone, I would just make sure not to go into a room that is silent. Because if I go into a room that is silent, except for me and the person that I'm interviewing, then those condenser microphones are going to pick up the echo off the wall. They're going to pick up all the different ambient sounds if there happens to be a fan or anything like that. If a dog barks and, you know, two houses down, it's going to pick that up. However, what I've done is I've taken people to a coffee shop or a restaurant where there's this ambient sound that kind of tells a story of where you are so that when I'm recording in a coffee shop, they hear maybe the waiter at the table next to you talking to the, to the people taking their order and that's just, it's just background ambient sounds. It's not anything that's distracting because the reality is, is when I invite somebody out to have a conversation over a cup of coffee, if you will, that conversation between me and that person, we're sitting there talking to each other and have no problem at all carrying on a wonderful conversation in spite of the fact that we're surrounded by a lot of noise, right? Well, that noise is an ambient background, and when I set the digital audio recorder sitting there right on the table in the middle of us, and I check to make sure the audio levels are just right, well, that recorder is going to be just like my ears and pick up everything that I'm picking up, and it makes it sound like those who are listening to your podcast, it makes it sound like for them as if they're sitting at the coffee shop right there at the table with you. And that's a cool little thing that just doesn't happen when you just talk into two dynamic microphones, which certainly can have a more professional in-studio quality sound, but 
when I've gone out into the studio or out into the field outside of the studio to record interviews, most of the time I've used these little onboard microphones that are built in. Now, I, again, I did have people say, well, what if I want to interview people with a dynamic microphone? And so I sh- showed them, I, I actually have a tutorial for the Roland recorder. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a moment. But I have inside that tutorial, I show you a cable that you can buy that plugs into a normal standard XLR dynamic microphone and it plugs into the microphone port on the digital recorder and you can use this handheld microphone and you can hold it you know hold it to yourself and talk and stuff like that and just like when you see a news reporter out in the field remember they got those handheld things it's got the mic flag on there and they'll be talking to an eyewitness and then they point the microphone to the to the person they're interviewing and then they pull it back and talk and and I show that you can do that if you want However, recently, more and more people are like, well, how can I set it up to where me and my guest have our own microphone so that we don't have to go back and forth? And so because this question started to come up frequently, I decided to go out and buy some gear. And so I'm going to tell you about three pieces of equipment that I tried, and I'm going to tell you about a tutorial that I have that shows me showing you how I'm, I'm using these different pieces of equipment. But anyway, the first piece of equipment that I purchased is called the ART USB Dual Pre. Now, I have some affiliate links for all of these, and I'll just go ahead and tell you that if you want to check this out, I think it was a $79 device, and it is at gspn.tv slash ART, like art, all right? But anyway, this ART USB Dual Pre is really a USB audio interface where you can plug two microphones into it. It also can take quarter inch jacks as well. But anyway, you can plug in two microphones into this device and if you wanted to, you could use it as a USB interface for your computer. However, it also has a headphones monitoring plug, a one eighth inch plug, and so you could run a little one eighth inch patch cable from the headphones jack and send the monitoring audio directly into the line input of your Roland recorder. So I tried that out and it worked pretty well, actually. And for $79, it, and I mean, the reality is, is if you already have the Roland recorder and you want to use two microphones, XLR dynamic microphones, and you want to bring both of those into your digital recorder and have independent volume control or gain control for each of those microphones, this is a solution that can work. Now, I wasn't satisfied with just trying one device. I wanted to try some other devices. And one of the drawbacks to the ART USB Dual Pre is that it does require power. And if you're not going to have it hooked up to a USB power source, then it requires a 9-volt battery. Now, I put a 9-volt battery in and did some testing. It worked fine. The only problem for me is that how long is that 9-volt battery going to last? And is that going to eventually die in the middle of an interview? And what if I only use this device maybe once every three or four months? You know, do I go out and get a new 9-volt battery every time? Probably you should. Anyway, I wanted to see, is there any options out there for folks that doesn't require a battery ever? And so I found this device called the Beach Tech DXA2T. B-E-C-H-T-E-K. Anyway, you can find the the affiliate link at gspn.tv slash DXA2T. That's dog x-ray alpha 2 
Tom. All right, DXA2T. Anyway, this is a device that is actually made to bring two microphones, XLR microphones, into a video camera or a digital SLR that has a one-eighth inch input. And I'm thinking, wait a second, that would be, if it, if it does that for a video camera, it would do the same exact thing for the Roland recorder. So I bought this device, and I think it was $179, and it comes with a little one-eighth inch patch cable. Now this time, with this particular t- device, you have to plug in the, the output of the DXA2T, you have to, of the Beach Tech, let's just say that, uh, you have to plug it into the output of that device and then plug it into the mic input of your Roland recorder. Not the line input, but the mic input. And then you plug in your two dynamic microphones into that Beach Tech device and you do have independent gain control over each of the microphones and that works. And it works without the need of any batteries. And so I'm thinking, okay, I like that a whole lot more, but it's $100 more than the ART-USB Dual Pre. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe there's another option for those who are a little bit more price conscious. And so I did some searching, and I found this device called the Saramonic SR-AX101. And you can find this, by the way, at gspn.tv slash Saramonic. And it's S A. R-A-M-O-N-I-C, Saramonic. Anyway, this device is, as far as I can tell, it is exactly the same device as the Beach Tech DXA2T. It happens to be made a little bit more plasticky. Uh, it's it's not as high quality as far as the you know the ruggedness of it. I'm kind of concerned a little bit if you were to drop it. Uh, if you know how mu- how long that's going to last, I would think that if I drop the Beach Tech just the way that's built, probably not going to hurt it at all. Uh, the Saramonic, I I think if I that thing got dropped a couple times, I might be concerned that it might break. But um, I don't know. But here's the deal: it's technically does exactly the same thing. The configuration and and the layout of all the ports, it all looks exactly the same, and it pretty much sounds the same. Now, in the testing that I did, I thought maybe the Beach Tech sounded a little bit better, but I'm pretty sure it's just psychological. I just think that it sounds better because it's built better and I paid more for it, but I I think if I had to be objective in my mind, they pretty much sounded the same. So the Saramonic is only 100 bucks, so it's still $21 more, something like that, than the ART, but it still requires no batteries. And I, the thing I like about the Beach Tech and the Saramonic is both of them are meant to be mounted on a tripod underneath a DSLR or a you know regular video camera. And as a result of that, they actually have the ability to screw right into the back of the Roland recorder. So the Roland R-05 has a little tripod thing in the back that you can screw this into and it kind of makes it one device. Now, I understand there are some of you who are asking this question. It's like, well, Cliff, why don't you just get a recorder that has two XLR inputs put into it? Gosh, there's the Zoom H4, there's the Zoom H4n, there's the Zoom H6, there's the Roland-whatever, there's the Tascams and all those other ones. And the answer to that is, first of all, I already have a Roland R-05. I love 
my Roland recorder. Number two, my Roland recorder fits in my pocket and can go with me every place I go. When I'm out at a conference or something like that, I can just pull it out of my pocket, I'm ready to go. I love how small and compact it is. I don't like how big and bulky the other ones are. And number three is that, well, the preamps that are built in to those other recorders, I find them to be a little noisy. They're, they're not very clean. They have quite a noise floor in the recording, and I'm really not cool with that. And so I, 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 have, a, I have some of those devices because I test a lot of things out. I buy a lot of this equipment for myself, and, and I just keep it in studio just so I have it on hand just in case I need to help somebody with something and they need to, need to pull one out and play with it. But I have a Zoom H4n and a Zoom H6 and all that stuff. And if I was going out into the field, I would actually take the Roland plus one of these devices. I would take the Beach Tech or the Saramonic, and I would take two microphones, three-foot cables, and some mic stands, and that would be my portable setup if I wanted to record kind of an in-studio-style interview out in the field. And by the way, if you want to see me testing all of these different things and you want to see all this other uh, details of not only those but other options for recording interviews out in the field, I highly encourage you to check out my training tutorial for the digital audio recorder, the the Roland digital audio recorder, which by the way, there's a a tutorial for the Roland R-05 and if you buy that tutorial, if you scroll down, the old tutorial for the Roland-09HR is still there. And then there's this bonus video that shows me researching six different ways to record interviews out in the field. And so, and, and it even gives you ideas of which microphone, what cables, all of that stuff. And you can find that over at podcastanswerman.com slash products. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash products, and just look on that page for the Roland Digital Audio Recorder tutorial. And by the way, there are literally hundreds of you who have already purchased that tutorial. I have great news for you. Go in and search for your your link and your password, and if you sign in today, that brand new bonus video showing six possible ways of doing field interviews with your Roland recorder, all you do is log in and that new bonus video is already there for you. It, I, I've already given that to access to that to everyone who has already purchased that tutorial. So there you go. And one final note, I want to make a reminder here real quick that uh, my next session of podcasting A to Z is coming up on Monday, October 26th. If you've been thinking about joining podcasting A to Z, there's only one more session in 2015, and that is the October 26th session. And if you've been thinking, well, should I take this one or do I just wait and take one of his sessions in 2016? Well, you can take one in 2016, but I do want to let you know that the price is going up in 2016. In fact, the cost is going to go to $29.99 for the course. The fact that I am announcing this here first, and I'll be announcing it when I get back from Europe in my mailing list, uh, I can assure you the last time I did a price increase, I sold out when I said this is the last chance to get it at this price. So right now the cost is only $19.99, and if you have been on the fence, I would hurry up and get there, go to podcastinga2z.com, 
and sign up today because I am absolutely certain I will fill this course to the max once everybody is aware because I happen to know there are at least 150 people who have been on the fence about taking this course for a while. And when they hear that the price is going from $19.99 to $29.99, October 26th will be the session that they join. So I hope to have you in that class if you are able to make it work in your schedule. Again, all the details over at podcastinga-z.com. And with that, my friends, I am going to wrap this up and just uh, look forward to seeing some of you in Europe. And until next time, I encourage every one of you to take everything you do in life to the next level. Podcast at Samantha.